All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Tune In The Podcast. Today, we are coming live at you uh, from the shores of Australia. Uh, my name is Craig. I am joined by Bobby and by Mock. Uh, Bobby, how have you been today? Apparently, it's been a bit nippy down on uh, the south part of Australia today. Uh, yeah, moments of nippiness, moments of sunshine, moments of hail, moments of thunderstorms. So, you know, they talk about four seasons down here. We had, you know, eight if there was any. So, um, yeah, it's been crazy, but no good. I'm just uh, a bit withdrawal from Newcastle at the moment. So good to get on the pod and uh, chat football. Um, Mark, you're down in Brisbane. You're sat in a room without air con. It's been 30 plus degrees, bit of a thunderstorm. Totally uh, different scenario, but in exactly the same country. It's as strange as it yeah. gets around Yellowstone. Well, it's a two and a half hour flight, so let's be honest. It's it's uh, <laughs> you can get to most of Europe from the UK in two and a half hours. So it's um yeah, it, it's been an interesting day. It's been toasty, um, and then we had this massive thunderstorm that hit for probably about twenty minutes. Uh, chucked it down with rain. Sun came out, evaporated all the the water, and uh, now it's humid as hell. So uh, sitting here and in a pool of sweat, but uh, it's worth it because, you know, we don't have any Newcastle games to talk about uh, that are happening this weekend, thanks to the uh, the, the, the money-laundered World Cup bid <laughs> that uh, went into all the brown envelopes. Otherwise, it would have been here in Australia and it probably would have been played in a the, the slightly uh, slightly better time of year. So, um, yeah, let's, let's at least reminisce on the first half of the season, I guess. Absolutely, and that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. So today is our mid-season preview. Not quite exactly halfway through yet, but we're as close as we can possibly get there. And it's been pretty exciting first 17 games of the season. 15 in the league, 2 in the League Cup. Uh, we've got quite a bit of cover, so we are going to dive straight into that. But just before we do, uh, as we are live, if you are liking the content that we have, please give us a thumbs up, smash that thumbs up button, give us a subscription and put a comment down below. And we've got the live comment to go as well. Plus, just give a quick heads up. We have got our new subscription page on there. So if you, again, you really love what we do, you can contribute to the channel. It is just $1.49 here in Australia, but only 85p back in the UK. If you want to hit that join and subscribe button, bombings do so. It helps us out massively moving forward. So, as mentioned, today we are going to talk about the first half of the season for Newcastle United and what an opening few games and beyond it has been. So, we started with an opening game against Nottingham Forest. The opening game against a newly promoted team, you never know what you're going to get. Uh, you never going to be nerves uh, from them. You don't know how they're going to approach the game. And we were also a bit dubious about how many, with how many players that they had bought in. And Bobby, you know a little bit about the squad that they have at Forest. Were you taken a little bit back by how subdued they were in terms of attack and little uh, flair that they had on the ball and how easy we controlled that game? Uh, yes and no. I mean, like as you said, you don't know what you're going to get with a newly promoted team. They could have... Uh... Those fairy tale starts to their their Premier League life, especially after their you know being a big club and being out for uh, so long. But um, again, they they signed a hell of a lot of players, probably too many in the one go. So the cohesion wasn't there. And uh, remember, our friend Dimmy was at that game, so we were all very much tuned in and just remembering that we you know controlled the game pretty well that day, and uh, you know it was a commanding start by the boys. Yeah, it was a cracking game. What can you remember of the goals, Mark? Um, I, to be honest, it's like 
so it's, it seems so long ago now. It's like blurring into the background a little bit. I don't remember specifics. It's more just that we were really comfortable in that game, I thought. And it was more just the case that, as Bobby says, it's like they, they potentially added too many players and it was never it was either going to go one of two ways. They were going to be on this massive bounce from all these new signings and everyone was up for it, or it was going to take them some time to kind of start to settle in. And, and luckily for us, we caught them caught them napping on that. Um, I just thought, like, you look, look, home game, and we were all buzzing for Dimmy because it was his first ever match at St. James's. So, yeah, it was, it was, a, good, it was a good game to win, um, get those points on the board. But, yeah, I, I mean, let's be honest. Um, you know, it was just a case of let's, let's see if we can start the season off the way we, last, we left the last one off more, more than anything. Yeah, so perfect three points. Clean sheet, two goals, two cracking goals, one uh, thunder bastard from the man that is uh, Fabian Shaw. And also we had a cracking finish from Callum Wilson from the outside of his right boot, I believe it was, who just dinked it over Dean Henson. So cracking one there. However, though, the following six games either resulted in a loss or defeat. So we had five draws in that one defeat. So within those games where we played Brighton, nil-nil draw, Man City in what was probably and maybe still is game of the season so far uh, for all, it uh, 3-3. Wolves, that was a 1-1 draw where Maxi just rescued a point uh, right in the death of injury time. Palace, uh, we will touch on Palace a little bit more when we talk a bit about uh, VR with that nil-nil. Uh, Bournemouth, Mark, we had the pleasure of doing the watch along on that one. And I'm glad we stayed up till 2 3 o'clock in the morning to watch that Boro Fest. But speaking of the Bournemouth game, do you think that was the rocket up our arse that we needed, given the run of results, to then go ahead and go on to the form that we then once have? I think the it was definitely getting to that time of the season where it we needed a win. And it was like, yeah, okay, look, we're not losing games and this is all great. And we, we're seeing where we're playing some nice football at times. You know, there were a couple of games where we did struggle. You're not going to play well in all of the games. Um, we did, did seem to kind of struggle to break teams down if they sat back deep, um, which, you know, hopefully we've managed to find a way out of that. But we, we were desperate for three points. And that, that, was, that was all it was. And I think the pressure was mounting by that stage. Uh, and I think, yeah, the Bournemouth game... You know, look, going a goal down as well. Uh, that was like, oh crap, here we go. This is this is like what we've all been been dreading um, because of all of these runner draws. And you know, the last thing we need now is to lose a game. But yeah, look, I mean, Isak's first game at home um, scores the penalty to get us another point. And that I think after that we kind of had that lift, um, and I think it sort of galvanized everyone a little bit, as you said. So, you know, maybe that was maybe that was the spark that we needed at the time. Uh Going back to the game or two before that for yourself here, Bobby, the Liverpool game, it's still so for all of us. Uh, we were yeah. 1-0 up in that game. We should probably have been 2-0 up as well with uh, Isak's disallowed goal. Uh, they did get the equaliser and then in somehow the 97th minute of 95 minutes of playtime, they somehow go get the winner and everyone's raging on social media. Liverpool fans are laughing their tits off because... They think they've done us a disjustice. They're booing us off the pitch, which is what we want. And Eddie Howe said exactly the same thing. If we're booed off the pitch on an away game, we've, ri we've riled them big time on that one. Was that the, the first sign for yourself, apart from the Man City game, where we could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the big boys in the league? 
yeah, yeah. I think with the Man City game, I think that sort of gave me a little bit of confidence. I thought um, we deserved a point out of that Liverpool game for sure. You know, I think um, it was cruel. It was not fair. But um, at the end of the day, we, we all know my thoughts on it as well. So I'm still bloody fuming about it. But uh, yeah, it, it was the first sort of signs that we could go toe-to-toe with the big boys this year. Um, on that run of form, we did play three pretty poor games. I think there was Brighton, Wolves and Bournemouth. We weren't at our best and, um, you know, Brighton, we were lucky to escape. Wolves, we were lucky to escape for the point. Um, so there wasn't this form that, hap- you know, that's happening now that we're, we're sort of riding this wave. But yeah, you're probably right. The Bournemouth game sort of was a kick up the ass we needed to, to sort of spur us on. Yeah, it was a long old watch, that one. And I remember me and Mark just watching it, getting to the 93rd minute and going, hurry, rip, blow all the whistle. We just want to go to bed. Uh, it was a terrible game. Uh, Bournemouth did awful. park the bus. They had every man behind the, the ball 11 minutes in. And 55 minutes, it was a case of, right, I just want to go to bed now. It was a very, very long 90 minutes and so on for that one. Yeah, we but, were in uh, we were in Sydney um, watching the game with the uh, yes uh, the all the Aussie fans and um, yeah I can tell you that walk from the pub um, <laughs> in the morning back to the hotel was was misery as uh, the boys will be able to tell you and yeah I was uh, questioning a lot of things about our season at that point. Oh, it was still worth it just for the live crossover to league raging while he was pissed <laughs> up walking down the street. No, I don't think Sydney <laughs> knew what hit it then. <laughs> no, definitely not. But that was a, a run of six games without uh, that all-important win. And I think everywhere a little bit of doubt was maybe creeping into every single fan, as if to say, is this going to be our season? Are we going to be back to relegation dogfights? Have we managed to over-exceed expectations only seven games in? And what's the rest of the season going to be like? However, then we go away to Fulham. And this was a game, to be honest, I was a little bit sceptical about it. I was like, you know what, Mitrovic, he's going to want a point to prove. He's in good scoring form himself right now. And every ex-player loves to score against their old club. It's just in their blood. It's what they want to do. But that game was such a huge turning point for us in that 4-1 victory. I can't remember us being so dominant away from home in a victory against a team that nobody expected us to maybe even get three points, maybe a draw out of. But the goals that we scored, and Miggy got the, the blinder of uh, that volley back uh, game, we took the game to them and we absolutely annihilated them and we went for the kill because they were a man down. Is that the type of attitude that you expected from the get-go in that game, Bobby? And did you expect us to win that game? No, I didn't expect us to win the game. Um it was uh, my confidence had been a bit rocking at that point, um, but of course, yeah. I mean, once you you get you know get a man advantage, you want to go and attack the game. And I think it was the first time the season because even the the Forest game, the Man City, we weren't too bad going forward, but uh, the Forest game and all that, we weren't as fluent going forward. And I think we had a few questions on our attacking uh, prowess at that time. So, yeah, that was the first time it all sort of clicked and we sort of, you know, dominated a team going forward. And um, it could have been five or six that game as well, like a few other games we'll talk about. So, yeah, um, no, I didn't expect to win. I didn't ex- um, my confidence was rocking. But, yeah, it was uh, good to see that performance from us. 
Now, I can't remember if you stayed up to watch the game live, Mark, or if you watched the, the full 90-minute replay. Uh, but what was your overall impression of how we played across the 90 minutes of that Fulham game? I watched it like literally as soon as I woke up in the morning. Um, I just I was I was a bit knackered, so I didn't uh, didn't do the live the live watch um, at stupid o'clock in the morning as we as we tend to do here uh, here in Australia. But look, I I have traumatized uh, memories of of Fulham away. Uh, it's it Craven Cottage is never somewhere that I'm I'm comfortable us going to. Um, I remember we played them there. Um, I think it might have been under Sir Bobby Robson. Was when Schwartzer was still in goal, and I think we had like twenty-seven shots on goal or something, and we didn't score. You know, it was like for, and that was just one of those days where literally we could have played for like you know three three more games worth of time, and you know it would have still been like nil for us on the scoreboard. It was just ridiculous. So to to go there and and you've got Mitrovic who's banging the goals in, he was in form, and then you had all sort of like they were, they were playing good football and they was they were winning games and they were up in the table. Um, and to go there and then, yes, okay, look, we, we, we benefited from them going a man down, but you know, we, we, we'd like sort of, we were a dog with a bone at that point. We just went straight at them and didn't let, let up off them once. So we literally took every advantage we could. And obviously, you know, like it helps when Miggy scores like the goal of the season, but you know, it, it was, it was a good team effort and we pressured them. We made them make mistakes. We got the wall back high. And that's exactly what we've done since we've like we've we've ridden that wave, if you like, and and that Fulham game kind of I think just proved to a few of our players that hey look we can actually score goals we can keep it tight at the back we know that we can win the ball up the field and we can maintain possession, but up until that point goals were still at a premium and we were we were dominating games against some teams and not scoring and. You know, it was it was one of those games where like everything kind of clicked for us going forward, and we probably could have scored a couple more in, in, against Fulham. And and it was, I think, it's just all the players have fed off that energy ever since. It's been great. Uh, do you also think the the pressure of playing at St James's Park was maybe getting to the players because we hadn't won in quite some time? The fact that we were away from home relieved a little bit of that pressure on the boys. Uh, look, it could have, it could have been that. I, I don't. I think the the players feed off the crowd at St James's Park, and the atmosphere is always fantastic. Um, since since Eddie Howe's taken over, the the feel good factor is was still there, but I think fans were were getting a little bit edgy, as we said. Look, we were desperate for three points, so that was the that was the kind of. Well, yeah. Look, maybe maybe taking that pressure off, and you know, look, as I said, look. We, a man, a man advantage, and we literally went for the jugular. And it was, it was just this dogged attitude of the players to really get in in Fulham players' face and use that man advantage to to their benefit. And and I was, I've seen a lot of people say, "Oh yeah, but Fulham made some mistakes, and the keeper was a bit dodgy and all that." But it was all from pressure from Newcastle players. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've seen this in in other games as well that will will come to that we're putting teams under pressure and forcing those mistakes. It's not that they're just sloppy errors at the back. It's being forced by Newcastle because of the pressure we're putting them on because of the high press. That's that's what we want to see. And I think the Fulham game was the one game that just sort of sparked that belief, I think, in that the players were maybe starting to doubt themselves. And, and yeah, maybe away from home, it was a little bit less pressure, going a man advantage, going a man up. And it was just like, well, yeah, let's get at them and we'll and we'll, we'll see what we can do. And and everything came off for them on the day. 
Yeah, it was a cracking result. Uh, three points obviously come our way, and we slowly started to climb the table. Now, the next game, this game is a little bit bittersweet for me, is the Brentford game. And for everybody who knows what happened for the Brentford game, is <laughs> so just to let everybody know, um, I had a few jaws earlier on, maybe a few days before the game uh, started, and Bruno or Joe Litton, whoever I just shared on social media. They've just gone and dyed their hair. And I'm like, you know what? That looks quite good. I think I'd have looked quite good in that. So I made a stupid comment in our <laughs> five chat, thinking if we score five goals or more against Brentford, I'll dye my hair to look like Bruno and Big Joe. Thinking, we're never going to score five. You know, Brentford, they're a good team. They're in a good position in there. We're never going to score five. You know what they've gone ahead and done? They scored five. So I'm going to do this. And it will be coming up very shortly. This could very be the last pod I have with uh, the blonde locks. Um, Ooh, so <laughs> it could very well be. It will be coming off shortly. So keep an eye on this. This could be just the last one that you'll ever see with me uh, with the blonde hair. But I will say, though, mm-hmm. I will say before any, just so everyone knows, you tried to get out of it based on the fact that the last goal was an own goal. <laughs> well, yeah, I've got to try and get out of it somehow. It just makes perfect sense. Uh, yeah. And your hair was more orange than silver, to be honest. Like, oh god, yes, it wasn't it, quite, yes, wasn't quite <laughs> the same. I looked like a radioactive carrot. <laughs> Just, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't yeah. a good look, believe me. It still is now. Um, but I carried on fair as far play, as man. I have. Fair play, to. ballsy, ballsy. Um, well done. Uh, before we go in a little bit more detail for that Brentford game. Uh, just going to do a little bit of a quiz question for everybody that's uh, watching live or anyone that's going to be listening uh, on the audio when we do publish this. So, got a little bit of a question for everybody right here. This is a guess the player type round. So, what I'm going to do is show up a little bit of banner here and I will read it out to you. So, a bit of top trivia. So, I played for Sheffield United, then on Newcastle United on loan, then Newcastle on a permanent deal, back to Sheffield United on loan. West Ham United on loan, then to Penzance, then on to Farmouth Town, and finish my career at Mousehole. Who am I? Now, I'm not going to give any specific details of a career in terms of appearances or anything like that, and I will reveal the answer towards the end of the show. But if you think you know who that is, uh, leave your comments to the end, and we'll see who gets it right, and we'll put the message on screen at the end for you. Good luck to everybody who thinks they know that might be. And I reckon Jack's already got it, to be honest. Um, he's a little bit of a master with that. Uh, but now it's like a walking encyclopedia of football knowledge. It's he crazy. really is. It's scary how good he is for shit like this. And hopefully he won't spoil it for everyone. Um, <laughs> but the Brentford game, getting back onto that one, slight sidetrack. That was probably the most dominant display I've seen at St. James's Park for God knows how long. Can't remember the last time we annihilated a team so effortlessly from the first whistle well the first 20 minutes was actually quite a, a dog game actually so i do uh take that back on that one but that first goal was crazy crazy important because you all know brentford had a disallowed goal uh which would have changed the the game big time on that one when we scored that first goal and i believe it was bruno that got the first goal with the diving header did either of you expect the floodgates to open and for us to get a further four goals from that i'll come to you first bobby no, um, we are just to get our first taste of uh, four goals from Fulham. And, you, you know, you sort of think that's a one-off for a while, being a Newcastle fan. Um, 
So I didn't expect the floodgates to open, but it was very handy goal, I can tell you that. The cross from Trippier into Bruno, and you thought, oh, well, that's nice. Let's take that into the game, and I'd be happy with a 1-0. But what we saw after it was just a complete annihilation um, and the press just dismantling Brentford. They didn't know what to do. And I think for me in that game, once um, once Brentford tried everything to get through the press and didn't work, they sort of dropped their heads and it was just all, all us in the end. And uh, it was one of the best games I think I've seen at St. James's Park for a long time. And your thoughts on the, the game and how the, the goals started to flood in that one, Mark? Um, I think this this was actually the one that all the major errors happened um, from our pressure. Uh, I mean, we did pressure Fulham, yeah, don't get me wrong. But yeah, this this was the game where a lot was made over the key, especially the keeper just had a shocker. Um, mm. But again, it was just from our pressure. But, you know, look, that, as you said, they had a goal disallowed. If that had gone in, I think it was it was a very even game up to that point. I think either team could have done it. I think they had to come out because we'd scored first. Um, and then the the floodgates just opened and we, we took massive advantage of being able to um, sort of get more space because they were they were trying to force the game a little bit more, which was which was great for us, but n- never in my wildest dreams did I think that we were going to get five. Um, even at sort of like two or three, I was still going, oh yeah, no, this is this is great. yeah, that, that's that's a good good match well done um and then when it got to four yeah obviously i'm like oh i wonder if i wonder if craig's getting a little bit nervous and heavy now <laughs> my ass was twitching like a rabbit's nose mate, to be honest. <laughs> and uh when i don't think when, i've celebrated a fifth goal in my life that much before <laughs> i've never not celebrated a fifth goal apart from that one uh, <laughs> oh, i've still gosh. i've still got your face i've still got your face and reaction tattooed to my head in my memory oh. Craig, it when was we were like doing the, the watch long, uh, Dex was what maybe 10 15 seconds ahead of me and Jack. And he, he literally looks, he's watching the, the monitor, whatever he's watching the game on. And he literally looks directly down the cameras, haha, you've got to dye your hair blonde. And I'm thinking, oh shit, what's happened? Then I see the goal go in with the young goal. Like, oh, fuck me. Well, like, what was it? 94, 95 minutes in. I think, Jesus Christ, what have I done here? And I did let myself with a little, another little stupid bet the other day as well. I don't know if you've seen that one, um, but that one's not what happened. Basically, what I said was, if we get relegated, I will legally change my name to Karen and shave my head bald. But look, you're not going to get relegated. Dutchwood. I think I think you're safe there, but mate, you need to pull the pull the brakes on these. Yeah, these you bets. need to stop making <laughs> bets, on, mate. Yeah. You need to stop making these. I'll have to get someone to proofreading the messages first. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that Brentford game was just a, a total annihilation. And the one thing I, I liked about that Brentford game as opposed to the Fulham one, it was 11 v 11. It wasn't where we were a man that we didn't have any type, typical advantage or anything at. And the crowd was absolutely phenomenal that game as well. And they, like Mark mentioned just before, they rolled us on from the first whistle right up to the end. Uh, crowd was singing all the way through. And it makes a massive difference when St. James is, is on fire then we just step up a gear. We go to level 11 effectively. And we can just absolutely destroy teams as we prove with Brentford. Now, the game afterwards was a short trip across West to Old Trafford. And 
if I remember rightly, this is probably the first time we've been to Old Trafford where every single one of us, maybe apart from Lee, because Lee is always captain negative when it comes to results, is a case of we all thought we could maybe get three points at Old Trafford, yeah? And we probably well should have if Joe Linton uh, didn't put on his Jacob Murphy shooting boots that day. Uh, you know, he, he hit the post and hit the crossbar with within the same shot effectively. It was absolutely bongers. Um, yeah. But yeah, that game at Old Trafford, we were all confident going into that one to potentially get the win. Uh, Bobby on you on that one? Yeah, yeah. That was, I think, the first game I was confident of, to be honest, um, in our predictions. I think I predicted a few draws and uh, not many wins in the early part of the season. And then that one, I think I was very bullish about. Um, and yeah, I, I think, you know, if Joel Litton, I think it was a cracking save by De Gea first and then he should have put away the rebound or whatever it was. But uh, we weren't far away from winning that game as well. So the season started to define itself that we can actually go anywhere and, and perform and, and take it up to anyone. And I mean, Man United... I think they're better than they were last year, but they're still not much, much chop. But um, yeah, I thought that uh, we could have won, and we probably should have in the end. Yeah, it was a uh, Joe Linton on his best and worst uh, for that game. Now there were a few instances where we maybe could have had a penalty as well with um, Wilson being taken yeah. down in the box. I think you had quite strong views of that one, Mark, and you think it should have been a blatant penalty. Uh, is that still your thoughts right now? Yeah, I think I, I, this is one of those where you've you've seen them given for other clubs, and it's you know it, it he's basically I think from memory was that the one that he got sort of knocked in the back while he was trying to get into place or something, and yeah, it was uh, Varane and um, the little midget centre back they've got um, literally came in and just yes. Yeah, uh, look, I mean, and again, as, as I said, you, you, it's it's those that you've you've seen given, and yet we're not getting those those given for us. And um, you know, I mean, I've I've seen. Look, I'm I'm going to hold my hands up, and whenever we get to the point of, um, I, I don't want to get the whole sort of conspiracy nut thing going, but it's hard not to when you when you get those sorts of decisions not being given for us where where you do see them week in week out for if if that was man united wouldn't surprise me if that was given yeah totally agree uh, i mean in in fairness they probably could have had a penalty themselves as well when yeah. their long staff decides to i can't remember who it was on the edge of the box um decides to stamp on his foot effectively he did go down like a sack of spuds to be honest and plus you had Fernandez throwing himself to the floor like he'd been shot with a sniper rifle every time anybody went anywhere within six feet of him. Uh, that man just balls my pisses, I think he does, to every uh, player that isn't uh, or any other fan that isn't uh, one of Man United. But that game finished 0-0. There was another clean sheet. Clean sheets were starting to become a thing of the norm, and we actually had a solid defence. And people were starting to believe, is this Newcastle team the team that could start to challenge the top eight, then maybe the top six, uh, then the top four. Then we started going on this winning streak. This winning streak is just mind-bogglingly good for this one because I nobody expect this. The biggest diehard Newcastle fans would never expect us to go on this run. But when you got wins against Everton, Villa and Chelsea all at home, but then you also go to Spurs, pick up three points. We've never even dropped a point at home this season. And then uh, command and win down at uh, Southampton right on the south coast. 
that Evan game, first of all, Mark, it wasn't the easiest game. It was never really going to be the easiest game because Evan had a decent defence, but they just couldn't score a goal. But that was the start of something special from a certain little Paraguayan we call Miggy. And his goal, store, goal scoring streak just kept on going and going and going. And nobody anticipated to get it where now. What did he make of his goal? And did you think that one was fluky in the same way that his one against Palace was the, the previous season? I don't think any of his goals have been fluky. Um, they've they've come off. They've you know, it's it's that usual thing of, you know, at what point do you say, well, that was just an RC goal, and that's like nine times out of ten, that's going up into like Rosette or something like that. Um, I, I I think all of his goals, I think he's been in pretty good control of. Um, that was potentially the the least in control goal. I'll give it that, but the rest of them, I mean, you, you can't fault the guy he looks really in control at the moment he looks on fire um you know he started against fulham the everton uh look i mean i'm gonna say no i'm just gonna say that he's everything he's doing at the moment is coming off but i think it's all intentional i think he is actually making that effort to to get in the right places at the right time and actually be in some some sort of control over his shots. I'm not I'm not going to say that it was a complete arsy goal for him. Um, that he that he he did mean it, um, even if it was, you know, one of those that nine times out of ten you're not going to score. You hit the uh, gotta get pigeon uh, yeah. who nestled in there, the the net that's uh, directly above. Uh, we had a good little chuckle on that on there. One of the live watches, to be honest. Uh, um, just, with that just a quick... game, Bobby. Oh yeah, go on. Just a quick one for El Stapleton. He's like asking about the opening ceremony for the World Cup. Um, what time in the UK is it, if there is one? Do we know? Not a clue, unfortunately. I've absolutely no idea. If anyone else knows, uh, hit a comment up in the comments section because I've literally no idea if there's actually a World, uh, a World Cup opening ceremony. I'm sure there'll be loads of paid mm. shills there to represent all the fans is what <laughs> I'm all seeing on social fans, media. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's embarrassing. Everyone drinking Budweiser. <laughs> <laughs> um, getting back to that Evergate, uh, Everton game, Bobby. Um, yep. Did you expect it to be so close, one 0 Considering the previous games against Brentford, we destroyed them five-one, and we beat Fulham four-one. In Everton, they were actually lower in the table on that. The, in, they've struggled to score goals, but the defence has been relatively solid. Um, did the game pan out how you expected to, or were you wanting, an, uh, or were you expecting another annihilation? No, I think I predicted one nil in our predictions because I thought I looked at the the evident defence and as bad as they'd been, you know, where they were in the table, they weren't conceding many goals, and um, yeah, so I, I think I had one nil victory down for us. So it's sort of um, it was a little bit tighter than I would have liked. I thought. Um, but yeah, it sort of panned out um, the way I wanted. But on that game, we could have played three games <laughs> um, straight after each other, and Everton wouldn't have scored. So, um, yeah. in terms of being tight, it wasn't tight in the fact that uh, I felt threatened by Everton. It was just that um, it took a special, special goal from Miggy to decide it. If I remember rightly, Everton didn't even have a shot on target or even off target in that game. Um, they were so They're pissed and real. Forward. Yeah, it was absolutely dreadful. Uh, great for us, uh, terrible for them. Uh, glad to take all them. And then, if I remember rightly, the following game straight after was a trip to North London 
to what we used to call three-point lane. Uh, now it's become a little bit of a, a tradition where we go down there and we can't actually get a result ball last season with that 5-1 drubbing. This game against Spurs was a game where I mentioned before they had never lost at home in the league. They'd won every single game and so not even dropped any points. So expectations across the fan base was probably low. But to come away with a 2-1 win and to do it in relative ease as well with yeah. two great goals, uh, starting with the goal from Wilson where he just decided to run into a brick wall that wasn't there in terms of uh, their keeper and he hit the floor like a sack of shit and puts it over uh, the defence. When we went to, into that game, Bobby, did you, again, anticipate three points? Thinking, you know, it's Spurs, they're doing really good at home. They've got Harry Kane, he always likes to score against us, which he did inevitably do. But the three points must have been a massive surprise to you and everybody else. It was a nice surprise. Um, Absolutely. You know, I, I think it was, to me, it was a game where I started to think, yeah, we can go anywhere and we can do, um, um, you know, anything to anyone. It didn't matter who they were. It didn't matter if it was away from home or at home. Um, after that performance, my confidence in the, the, the boys and the plan, I think it was all, again, that press that Eddie's put on um, really got to Spurs. They couldn't really match what we were doing. So um, I don't think I predicted a win, um, but I, it's not like I expected a loss and, and thought we couldn't win the game. So... Um, but it was a nice surprise, that's for sure. Cool. I did predict a loss in that game. Uh, can't remember what your prediction was, the mock. Um, but not many of us did actually don't go for the three confident. points in the one. Sorry? I don't think I was confident. I don't think any of us were, to be honest, though. But when Spurs got, that, got their first goal from that corner from Harry Kane, were you just like everyone else thinking, you know what? They've only just got one. That's the first real opportunity that they have had in the second half. We were still quite commanding where last season we absolutely buckled under the pressure when they got that first goal. It was a total different turnaround. I know we've got a total different defence this season in comparison. But were you ever nervous at any one point when they got that first goal back? Think, oh, God, here we go again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, look, uh, let's let's not beat about the bush here. Spurs are a good side. Um, yes. They are playing very good football, even if they are a little bit not quite where they are. They, they want to be at the moment, and there seems to be a little bit of teething issues with Conte there anyway. But, you know, they, they are where they are on merit. They've got some very good players. They've got very good individual match winners um, capable of scoring from anywhere. So, yeah, I, even it, when it was 2-1, you're still not comfortable. Um, you, you expect them to kind of throw everything at us. And they had a couple of extra chances, but we we did too. Uh, it was one of those games where we kind of went head to head with them, not being frightened of them. We were very solid defensively other than, you know, a couple of chances and a couple of half chances that they had. Uh, I, I was I was really impressed. But yeah, never, ever confident. Never confident. Not Not down there, especially after last season's debacle. See, I was the total opposite. I was thinking, you know, they're not really going to cause us any further problems. I'm actually confident in our defence for what we're capable of doing. And I think that's the first time I've ever thought that in probably, I don't know, 15 years, uh, maybe more. Um, and I think confidence in the defence has just grown from that there. And with the win in the three points of that, Bobby, that is, we all tweeted, that put the rest of the league on notice to show that we have arrived. 
what sense uh, across the fan base do you think that gave to not just us, but to all the other fans of rival teams in the big six? Um, thought of that performance and that win in terms of the overall display that we gave? Yeah, I remember um, reading Twitter because Twitter's a happier place when we win. Um, so you, you log on and you go you go to town. And I remember seeing a lot of um, opposition fans um, sitting up and going, oh, shit, here they come. And a lot of journos down south commenting differently to what they were um, previously. And what a great job Eddie's done instead of, I don't, I don't know why they chose Eddie Howe. Um, so a lot of the narrative started to change from that game, you know, really strongly. And it was it was fantastic to suddenly see Man United fans and Chelsea fans and Tottenham fans unite um, together in their um, in their worry because that's exactly what started to happen. And yeah, I think even our fans, I think from that game, started to think, "Hey, we're on to, we're on something here." Um, yeah, and I think the rest of the league has followed since. And with that win came great confidence as a win against top quality Spurs that we will always give. And we took that into the Villa game. Now, the Villa game was something that a little bit different because we were all a little bit pissed that Stevie G wasn't in the manager's seat because we're all thinking, get him, we're going to win this 43 nil or something. That'd be more like a rugby score than a football score. Uh, but he was sacked, I think it was maybe 48 or 72 hours before. And Unai Emery, who obviously was very close to becoming our manager before Howe got the hot seat. And thankfully for us, Howe did. Were any of you nervous? A managerless caretaker covered Unai Emery type influence going into that game where Villa may squeak a draw or even get all three points? I'll come to you first on that one, Mark. I, I'm always a little bit wary of that new manager bounce. Um, and, and it always seems to be whenever we go to play a struggling team for the last couple of seasons, it's always been we end up playing them one or two games after <laughs> they've sacked their manager. And we always end up with the new manager in place. The new every, All the players are fired up for that. And we always end up losing or, or, or coming up against a, a team hard to beat. Um, so, no, I, I wasn't. I wasn't super worried. I don't think something's just not gelling there. Um, but I was bitterly disappointed that like Stephen Gerrard was sacked when he was because I thought, given the amount, and I don't know where this has come from. I don't know why Aston Villa fans have now decided to make us public enemy number one, and they're constantly going on about how much better they are than than us and their their historical records and all this. And it's it's kind of like creating this. I mean, maybe it's just because like Birmingham and Sunderland are not in the picture anymore, so both sets yeah. of fans need some sort of rivalry going on there. But the the idea is, it's like you know let's let's get in while stevie really struggling um everyone was saying we should have gone for him he's he's sold off like maddie target and you know he's brought in like other players that we were potentially after as well and it's just gone completely pear-shaped and and he was he was fast turning into like the new steve bruce um all of his excuses were coming out all of, like he was just a really really bad manager like great man manager but he just clearly didn't have the tactics there he didn't get the best out of the players that were there um and it, it kind of shows you the the golfing class between the premier league and the the, the scottish uh, premier league as well in terms of you know you can't just rely on the players to be good enough to bail you out all the time you do actually need to be able to put a plan of plan of action into place but look 
it added a little bit of something else because Emery was the one that got the job. And he, as you said, he was so close to joining us. Uh, And, and, you know, I think I was disappointed that he turned us down when he did. And and it came out and there was all a little bit of like embarrassing in the media going, oh, he would have been great. He's got a great CV. Oh, he's turned us down. That's that's a little bit bad for us. And and it's, are we, who are we going to get now? And I, but in fairness, I was behind Eddie Howe when he signed. I was I was actually really impressed with that appointment. Um, that I didn't expect him to go on this massive run that he has within twelve months, turning us into, you know, at the moment a top four team, which is was just unheard of given you know where we were when he started. So it, it, it added a little bit of extra spice that it was like the two managers that we we could have had and we do have, and how are they going to go up against each other? But, you know, I was so pleased that we we didn't succumb to any kind of new manager bounce, even though he wasn't in charge. He was still there yeah. in the stadium, you know, and, and it was still you expect players to kind of lift their game a lot just because they want to get get into the new manager's system and, and into his good books. So, yeah, happy happy with that result. But more, imp- more importantly, I was really impressed with the performance. Yeah, the performance was great. So we got that first goal from the penalty spot just before half time, I believe it was. Uh, there was the, the concussion to the keeper, so it was a fair bit of uh, added on time. And I, I think it was uh, Young who handballed it inside the box. He tried to dispute, but obviously it was blatant. Wilson took away the penalty quite nicely. And see, there's no bad time to score a goal, but there's certainly a good one. And get one just before half time was great because it meant they had to come out and tack. And that second half, Bobby, it was probably as good as the Brentford one if not maybe even better in terms of a second half performance. What were your thoughts on that one? Yeah, that second half was incredible. It was just brilliant. But I think um, with Villa, uh, as Mark said, there's an obviously a rivalry um, being building up. I don't know where it's come from. Um, but I think like Mark, I was just about to say as well, I think we're both bored because our nearest rivals have been you know, in the wilderness for so long. <laughs> That you've sort of got to invent different things and i'm a little bit different because my stepdad and stepbrother are villa fans and um so i do tend to watch them a little bit and get to understand you know what's going on with them and i was so confident in this game because i'd watched their previous performance where they won and i think it was against brentford um yeah. or bournemouth one of the two and um they were just given so much space in the midfield and like leon bailey was you know allowed to just roam around into the box without any opponent on him. I just thought they are not going to know what's going to hit them um, next week because we won't allow them that space. And, you know, I think the first half was frustrating for us. But uh, once that goal went in and they had to change their their system, it just uh, it showed what we can do to teams. And we dismantled them quite heavily. And uh, Miggy again on the score sheet with a very good goal. Cracking goal. I'm not sure if it took a deflection on the way in, but either way, it was always going to nestle into the back of the net, I believe. Uh, cracking goal on that one. And I'm loving his, uh, his knee sliding finishes right now. He's taking a, a trip out of um, Willock's book because that is an absolute fantastic uh, way to celebrate a goal away for, uh, with the fans at the Gallagher end, sliding on your knees. Um, I think Willick, I think I think Willick's got that in hand. I think Willick knee slides go for about forty meters. So, I think he's the well, the overall yeah. champion at the moment. He improved on his one from Southampton last season because <laughs> when he uh, done that one, he literally planted his knees and face planted the turf. I think, and yeah, I, I think it's Chris Wood that is literally pointing at him on the floor laughing during that game. 
that actually brings us right on to the next game there, then, which is the Southampton game. And this Southampton game, again, I was a bit dubious because my record down there isn't great. It was absolutely atrocious when it was the Dell. Uh, but moving to St. Mary's, we have, had picked, we have picked up a few results. The odd win, the few draws, that sort of thing. And conditions weren't exactly great. Uh, there was rain, there was torrential rain, there was sunshine, there were shadows on the pitch. Uh, just like what you've had today, Bobby, uh, I think they had all four seasons in 90 minutes, let alone in a, a full day, effectively. That game, when we went 1-0 up, and it was a, a good again, a good time to score the goal of that one, uh, Miggy with another cracking finish. I know he doesn't get the credit he deserves for that one for that little drag back, which he should absolutely do. But that goal, Miggy gets, he, I think that was his fifth or sixth goal in a row for that one. That just cemented the fact that we knew Southampton are going to have to come out and uh, go after us. And when we score first, we just know we can then turn on the pressure and absolutely destroy teams again. And that's exactly what we've done again in Southampton. I watched a, a build-up, uh, a preview of that. And the thing, yeah, we could take the game to Newcastle. We could get the win here. But how important is scoring that first goal in the minute for us, Mark? Oh, it's vital. Uh, I mean, we've seen against, um, I think it was like the... I think it was the Crystal Palace game and the Bournemouth game that they were so dull because we didn't score first. They they kind of just sat back and tried to absorb pressure. They're, they're doing to us what we've been doing to other sides for, for years under Steve Bruce. And to have the to have that first goal means they need to push up so they can't just sit sit deep. And we've got the pace to to break on the counter. But the other thing is we've got the defense at the moment and we've got the midfield runners that we we still keep that so solid defense and we can win the ball back. And some of our defenders, the, the distribution on the likes of Shah and Botman, that they mm. they are incredible with their crossfield passes. So, you know, they can be in in like the other side of the pitch and one of them will pick Kieran Trippier out in acres of space. And they're straight on the counter. And then, you know, Miggy's bombing on ahead of the defenders. It just makes such a difference for our style of football. And it gives us that chance to then do that high press. Now, I I, I think we do need to find a way to unlock defenses when they do want to sit deep. Um, and we need to sort of, you know, if it's if it's taking pot shots from outside the box, whatever. But, you know, just just it gives us so much more confidence and so much more impetus in the game um where we can we can play counter-attack football um so i think against the top sides who who get at us because they want to win the game we're actually quite good at absorbing that pressure ourselves and then breaking at pace against teams that we score first against who then have to come out and try to do something we we cut them apart at the moment it's, it's really impressive to see it's only those teams that want to sit deep and you know uh, more teams are going to clock onto that and they're going to have to find a find a way around that sort of style of play against us especially um especially at home i think it's going to get more and more where teams will just come to shut up shop um, so we need to find a way of doing that but yeah scoring that first goal against southampton just unlocked them and and we just dominated that game and i think what's happening too is that we are the fittest team in the league now yeah. from where we've, where we've come from that is a, a a massive statement but i think we back our ourselves in the second half to overrun anyone and that's including the well every team really the top six it doesn't matter so i think that's playing in our hands too when maybe the first halves aren't as 
what they you know what we expected yeah. to be it's because i think we're ready to go in the second half and we just with our press we tire teams out and then it's all our legs in the in the end now that third goal we scored against southampton which was a counter attack uh in which trips i believe he just threads a ball with the most accuracy you'll ever see on a pass into the top of Willock and Willock just effectively tall pokes it into the, the bottom corner. To me, that was just the pinnacle of how far we have come as a team on the counter attack and how quickly we can turn defence into attack. And Willock gets his first goal of the season and a much needed goal of that one. And I think mm-hmm. that, that just sums up the spirit of the team that we have right now. And that attack again just sends a message to the rest of the league and they can, you know, these are the real deal. These goals at the scoring, they're not fluky. Uh, they're not doing it just by um, winging people forward. They have a game plan. They have some tactics. And we have to be very careful playing these moving forward. And if you goal, look at it, if you yeah. if you look at the, the how far we've come in terms of we've gone from keeping like 10, 10 players behind the ball, trying to defend for all our life and just lobbing it long to Maxi to hope that Maximin can run onto it and, and engineer something while he's trying to take on like seven defenders to being able to thread pinpoint balls through in meaningful, deliberate attacks that are coming off and scoring goals from and or at least creating chances from. It's just chalk and cheese. It's absolutely fantastic to see how far we've come in just such a such a such a monumentally short period of time, really. I didn't even celebrate that goal from Willock, to be honest, because I was just in awe of how quick the transition from defense to attack was. Again, it's just something we've just not been used to or conditioned to over the past 14 plus years or so. Um, when that third goal went in and we were cruising at 3-0. That little lapse of concentration that we've seen recently in some of the games, I know we made some sub changes, but we all then conceding late, stupid goals effectively. Is that potentially a cause of concern when we come up against the the bigger teams in the league, Bobby? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think um, this break for the World Cup was always on the horizon and then the horizon got very close. And I think the closer that horizon got to this world cup the more these players had put out the more they knew a break was coming so i think you know that played a factor in it as well where um you know the guys are just pushing themselves so hard and and stuff like that and they knew a break was coming so i we can't really complain with what's happening or, or think that we're you know we need to improve on that area so um no i don't think so i think we've, we've shown against the bigger sides because they do attack that we cope better with it anyway, so I think we'll be fine. I don't. I don't think it's necessarily an issue, uh, to be honest. Uh, if you look at that, we made late changes because we had the Crystal Palace game in midweek for the cup, mm. um, and I think a few of those changes were literally just to just to try and save legs and give people options. If if you know if Eddie Howe wanted to play them, because we know that. He's not going to see any game as an easy game or or one to just kind of like throw away. Um, he's, he's, he wants to win every game he goes out for. So yeah, he's, he's rested some players. We've conceded a late sloppy goal, but you know then scored another one of our own. Um, but you look at the likes of you know Aston Villa, we we kept solid there, um, and even against Chelsea, we didn't concede anything there. So you know you would yes, okay, those are two teams that are potentially like struggling at the moment. 
Um, and maybe it's different if we're put under a lot of pressure, but you've got to think that you'd still be having your first choice defense on and you'd be trying to control the midfield a lot more. Um, you know, at, at three, at three nil up, if we concede one, um, that, you know, then we answer straight back with, I, I don't particularly have a problem with that. And that is a good segue into the last game of the league before the break in the World Cup. And what a game it was at St. James's Park against Chelsea. And Harry Potter leading out the, the Blues. And I think he left his magic wand at home uh, because Chelsea offered virtually nothing in that game. They had a one chance from Conor, Conor Gallagher. And another moment of magic from Miggy, whether he meant the assist or not, I don't think he did. But what an assist it was. <laughs> but the, uh, the finish from Willick was up there with one of the best we've seen this season. And we've seen some cracking finishes this season as well. Um, your thoughts on that game, Bobby, and your thoughts on that amazing goal too? Yeah, no, it wasn't an assist by Miggy. It was stolen by Willick, to be <laughs> honest, um, as Miggy was dribbling. Um, so, but that game, yeah, as he said, you know, we batted Chelsea and we should have won that a lot more than the 1-0 scoreline, I thought. So, um I think it just showed, you know, like, you know, against these good teams and Chelsea, they're not in the right uh, vein of form at the moment, but they're still a big team with big players and, you know, a bench that consists of players that are worth more than our squad probably still. So you can never take them lightly, but we batted them. And again, a bit like the Everton game, um, I couldn't see them scoring, even though that last five minutes was bonkers. And we had a few challenges going in that were um, like Bruno's challenge was a red card if he connected. Um, but that last five minutes was absolutely bonkers. But again, I don't think we looked like conceding there either. So, yeah, no, it was totally professional performance and showed that, you know, we're right up for this fight for the top four. Yeah, it, it, w- it was a cracking game and Chelsea never threatened at all. Except that one chance from Conor Gallagher and which uh, Nick Pope saved well push away, I think it went out for a corner, but that was pretty much it. Botman and Shaw, who had everything up that they possibly could. Trippier was commanding from the back lane moving forward. And Dan Byrne is pretty much a surprise best left back in the country right now. Certainly best English left back. Uh, he probably should have gone to uh, the World Cup, but that's a game for a different matter. Um, but did he, what was that result a surprise? Not, not for us, but for the rest of the league as well, even given Chelsea's form at the time, because that was the first time they had lost three games on the bounce in, I think, four or five years or so. I'll come with you on that, Mark. I think for the fans, uh, I think we're starting to believe a little bit that we can go head-to-head <laughs> with some of these top clubs. Um, we've got we've got the record to back that up now. So we've got the best joint def- joint best defence in the league. You know, that's not just the first couple of games anymore. And I think we were all just saying, oh, you look, we, we look like we're playing good, but let's wait and see until we get further on into the season. Now we're, we're sitting, you know, at the, well, almost the halfway point, looking at sitting in third with the joint best defence in the league, a cracking goal difference. We're scoring goals for fun at the moment. And, you know, it's it's like, daring to almost believe that we're we're good enough to to be up there competing now whether or not you you agree with 
you know, the likes of some of the media I've seen where oh, they're starting to change their tune, as Bobby said, where we're, we're definitely a threat. And some of them are even saying that we're in the, in the, the fight for the league. Um, title, which I think is utter crap. I mean, there's there's no way we're even remotely close to winning the title yet. I think we will drop off. Um, and it's one one of the points that uh, Adam Christie's just been bringing up on uh, on the on the comments is um, when we're bringing Mankio and Lascelles on late to rest players, um, we're, we're kind of going back to the dark old days where we just don't have that extra bit of quality on the ball anymore. And that's usually when we are conceding those goals. Um, now, I don't know if Botman is potentially um, getting upset at that. I think it's a nice thing if he is disappointed that we've we've not kept a clean sheet. But I think, you know, making sure that we're all fit and we're still ready to go is much more important. Um, I, I think long-term in the league, I think we may get found out because our squad depth's not not big enough at the moment, um, which, which those sorts of players do... Um, do massively highlight, I guess. Uh, we, we don't have a lot of, we've got a lot of triers and a lot of people that will come on and work their ass off for us. So the, the style of play that we play in terms of that high press, we've still got the likes of Murphy and we've still got sort of players who are going to come on and, and really push the opposition, but none of them are going to be capable of doing what the likes of Bruno and Trippier and Botman and all of these sorts of players can. Um, but, you know, look, I'm I'm happy enough with going into that Chelsea game where yeah I was starting to believe that we could go up against them and and give them a give them a good match for match for their money um, and that's what it well, we we outplayed them on the day which was great. I I think it all depends on January too because I think um, you know we're going to enter that period in the top four you would think um, and it'll depend on what our owners. Uh, do in that period if they they go for it and they think we've got a chance i'm a, a bit of a stats man and all the stats are pointing that we are one of the top three teams in the league you know I, there's no doubt we deserve to be where we are um based on all the stats as you said we've got the best defense um we've had the two highest graded xg games for the year so everything's sort of ticking along so i think if we can improve our depth a little bit in January, then there's no reason we can't give the league a shake. You know, if Leicester can win it, you know, the competition isn't that great this year. Like we've taken Man City and could have won at home. Um, Arsenal will be an interesting test when we come back from the World Cup. Um, but I've seen Arsenal, you know, whilst they're good, I don't think they're these invincibles that they, they once were. So look, I, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. And like Mark, you know, you're being 14 years of Mark Ashley, you, you're sort of conditioned to thinking where we're going to drop off the hill. But I keep looking at the data and the data's pointing to everything pointing to us being really, really good. And that is with a huge amount of injuries we've had. All right. We haven't had a settled say that. I was just yeah. about to say that. So what that tells me is we've got amazing coaching, amazing yeah. back end. So why not? Why not improve a little in January? Have these players like Maxi and all that and Shelby come off the bench as extra depth and our bench looks better. Why can't we give it a shot? Why can't we win the title? It'll all depend and on... And, you know, and we've got Isak as well. Big dog's ready to come back. <laughs> Big is. dog's ready to come back as well. And he's taken to the league like a you know, duck to water. So, you know... Uh, I don't want to believe yet because I'm conditioned after 14 years to believe we don't deserve nice things. But 
you know, you keep looking at the data and remove Newcastle United from the top of it, and you think, oh, that team, that's that's a big shot for the title, that one. So let's see how we go. The World Cup, this break is going to define how we, we do and how we come back from it, but that's the same for every team. So we're not in a worse position than anyone else. Now, that pretty much brings up to the end of the, the league review. Uh, quickly going to touch on the League Cup. There's going to be in two games. Uh, we won the first run against Tranmere two one away. And then there was a penalty shootout against Palace to one of that one with Nick Pope being the saviour of the day on that one. We are through to the next round. Some big teams have already been eliminated from the League Cup. Uh, we must be up there with one of the favourites to win it. You would think, and adding to that squad depth is something that will just enable that for a bit more of a cup run. Quick question for you, lads, and just a simple, straightforward one sentence answer. If you were given the option now of either qualifying for the Champions League or winning the League Cup, which one would you take? And I'll come to you first, Bobby. Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> now let, let's let's win let's win something because I haven't experienced Newcastle winning anything in my lifetime. So let's win something because I at the start of this year I would have taken a top ten finish with no threat of relegation. Um, lucky for you, Craig, there is no threat of relegation, so I'm already happy. Um, so winning a trophy for me would be, I, I don't even know what I'd feel, and I can't imagine what the people of Newcastle would feel. Um, so, yeah, I, I think winning that trophy is, yeah, something I'd want. So, Champions League or League Cup, Mark, which you got to pick? Um, I'm kind of almost with Adam here in that FA Cup would be good. A, a League Cup kind of just doesn't have the same ring to it at the moment. No, Nobody really cares about the League Cup. That's the only thing. I'm with Bobby. I want us to win a trophy. I don't care. I've never seen us win a trophy in my, my lifetime. So, you know, I, I think just getting that first tro first major trophy, and even though it's not it's the League Cup, let's be honest, but it, it's still a major domestic trophy. Yeah, we will still that, have getting the that streets out of the way. lined up. We'll still have yeah. the streets lined up. Yeah, it'll parade, still be mate, like a so. massive party on Tyneside. Let's not be on. Let's not forget that. But if we if we start thinking about you know yeah we get to the Champions League, great. We can attract better sponsors. We can attract better players. That's all great. I don't feel we are ready for the Champions League yet. I think I agree. I think we could potentially then struggle in the league the following season because we don't, as we've discussed, don't have the squad depth. So if we we're building towards something, I don't think the owners are going to just jump ship because they haven't won something in the first first year. Um, and let's let's not forget that we're literally twelve months into their ownership here. Uh, we're, we're putting some pretty solid foundations in place. We're getting some nice new sponsorship deals. If we win the League Cup, we get a European spot. It's not the Champions League, but it's still European football. It's that next That's level probably up. Where we'd be, be where we're at. And, it, and it will be a nice thing for us to have because it, it still gets players in. It still gets us mm -hmm. on the map. It still gets sponsorship deals. Okay, we're not in Champions League territory, but we've still got that next step on the ladder for us to build on. And... It's slightly easier games in the first bit anyway, where we can probably bring in the likes of Grant Cole and, and Elliot Anderson and a few other of the younger players that would probably thrive in that sort of a game where we don't necessarily have to play all of our big top stars 
um, in the in the early rounds of the Europa League or whatever it is these days. So yeah, I'm I'm going for I'm going for sort of. <laughs> I'm going for a League Cup game. I, it's it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I would love all, Champions all League I can football think of, again. All I can think of, Mark, is the celebrations. It, it would wouldn't be replace that. It, you know, so you think about it. This first year, 12 months into the ownership, we can have a bus parade through the streets of Newcastle winning a trophy that we haven't had for 50 years. I think, you know, Champions League will come as a, the squad comes. You know, I think that's it's inevitable. And I know what people are saying, you know, as as um, the comment there suggests, that it gives us more bargaining power, more money, all that sort of thing. Yeah, that's nice. But are we ready next year to go in with, you know, can we spend another $250 million to get the squad that's going to be able to do Champions League or, or whatever? And as Craig Lee says here, the first thought that came into my mind when you asked that question, Craig, was that Mexican ad where the little girl goes, why can't we have both? <laughs> for the, uh, for the uh, tacos. So um, only the Aussie viewers will know that. So, um, yeah, I, I just, all I can think about with that question is I wouldn't want to give up that feeling of that celebration. To get that so soon in the journey would be oh, magical, now, magical. On my own point of view with that one, I'm going to be quite selfish here. I've seen us play in the Champions League. I've been at St. James's Park, watch us play in the Champions League, and it is amazing. There's no night like it, but I've never seen us lift a trophy yet, unless you count that TV aerial one, Captain Cole lifted a few years ago. Um, that's not really a trophy. Uh, you can go to JB Hi-Fi, which is equivalent of Curry's here, and go buy one of them for about $50, if you like. Um, that was a dog shit one. Um, so that's just my own selfish perspective, own point of view. But what I'm going to show you is both now and everybody that is watching is some pornography this is real strong pornography and i apologize to everyone if you've got the horn for the rest of the night but have a butcher's at this how good does that look that newcastle united sat in third 15 games played we've got 30 points our average expectation at this point was what around about 25 i think we all kind of agreed on 25 would be a monumental success and even that would still put us in the the top six but to be on 30 points, 15 games in, average two points per game, the best defence in the league, we're scoring goals for fun. There's nothing to complain about in that picture whatsoever. Does that picture, that league table, give you the fizz at all, Bobby? Uh, that's uh, the only thing that's giving me the fizz right now. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, like, look at the green and, you know, yeah. It's just, it's quite incredible looking at that table to think, you know, Newcastle United are third, but deservedly so, you know, in all in all the stats and everything we go, which is giving me confidence that we can remain in and around there because you look underneath, Tottenham are in a, not a great vein of form. Manchester United are Manchester United. I don't think they're real good. Liverpool have struggled. I actually rate Brighton. I think Brighton are, uh, you know, getting used to their new manager and, and playing well. But again, I think we can be... Um, We've got a better coach and squad than Brighton. Chelsea have fallen by the wayside. And then you've got nothing underneath that. So, look, it's amazing. What can you say? I, I didn't think it. I didn't think we'd be in these positions. But, um, you know, yeah, it's amazing. Oh. I'm hardening up as we as we keep <laughs> seeing this. You've got to take the screen down, Craig. So, Mark, if we were to switch positions with Fulham now, in, say, where we are now, you sat in ninth, you got 19 points. 
would you be displeased if we weren't where we are now? If we if 15 games in, we were sat ninth on 19 points, would you have been overly happy with that? I'd have been okay with that, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> let, let's be honest. I think most of us were quite happy with the top top, top half finish, you know, you know, eighth, ninth, tenth, something like that at the end of the season. Playing as we've been playing? No, because yeah. I think we, we fully deserve where we are because of how we've played. Um, but at the start of the season, if you'd said to me we would be in ninth um, in, in the table come the, the World Cup break, I, I'd, have, I'd have been relatively happy with that. It's progress. It's solidifying our position in mid-table to like push on to the top half, which is what we were all looking for. Um, Craig, Craig is correct um, in the comments, though. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my stamp of like dis, disapproval uh, against that table because we should be higher in the league. We probably could have been in second had VAR not screwed us over as much mm. this season. Um, we've, we've probably lost at least four points, I'd say, that I can think of, um, you know, and that's that's probably disappointing. And if we end up getting to the end, it, you know, at this stage of the season, who cares, right? But if we get to the end of the season and come May, we, we're looking at the table and we're sitting in seventh spot, um, or if we're sitting in fifth spot and we're talking about missing out on the Champions League by one or two points, that's going to be pretty frustrating. So, but no, look, that table right there, you look at the, like, it's not just the fact that we're in third. It's the fact that we've got the best form in the league. We've got the joint best defense. And we're actually, like, pretty high up there in terms of goals for as well um, yeah. compared to all the others. So, you know, outside of, what, the top, the other top four clubs, I think, where the, the highest goals scored as well. You know, that's... We've got know. a goal difference of 18 and we've played everyone <laughs> in the top. 12. Yeah, I can't remember the last time we Except had a positive goal difference. So 18 goal difference plus for us and we only haven't played Arsenal in the top half. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. the, the form's there, isn't it? Like, yep. we just have to keep going. So um, it's, it's amazing to see. It really is. Um, now, I am very conscious, uh, conscious of time here, and we have well, well run over the hour mark, which we normally try to keep to. So now I'm just going to try and wrap things up quite quickly. But first of all, we are going to go through our favourite goal of the season so far. I'll go first on this one. And I'm going to say Willock's goal against Southampton, just for everything that it stood for in the team philosophy. Bobby, I'll let you pick your first favourite goal. Favorite goal, uh, Miggy versus Aston Villa. Good show. I loved it. I, I, I just I thought it was his best goal. Um, personally, I just loved it. I, I just remember smiling from year to year. I didn't celebrate. I was in shock. But um, no, I think that goal. It was on that run of you know that monstrous second half we had, and it sort of to me announced that yeah we're here, we're on, and we're a really good club and um, a really good team and. Yeah, Miggy's on fire. So, yeah, that was my favourite. Your favourite goal, Mark? I want to say Isak's second against Liverpool, but obviously, <laughs> no, that wasn't given. Um, but no, I, I'm going to go for Miggy's against Fulham, his first one. Um, that was It was a good team goal as well. It was like a really nice effort in the build-up. Um, took it beautifully well. Again, whether or not he meant it, like exactly where it went, but just to, to hit that perfectly with his left foot, yeah. beautiful ball over from Bruno. Yeah, absolutely gorgeous. So I'm going to stick with that one. And uh, next, we're going to go for favourite game. 
Uh, I'm not going to pick a Brentford one for obvious reasons. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go for the Spurs away game. Although that was a cracking one in terms of everything that we got from it and our composure for the full 90 minutes. Uh, Mark, I'll let you go first on this one. I think we've all got special fond memories of the Brentford one for obvious reasons, apart from yeah. apart from you, Craig. Um, I'm, I'm going to go for the Villa game. Um, I think the atmosphere was amazing. I think after a pretty torrid first half um, where they seemed to do everything they could to disrupt us and um, we had lengthy injury times for concussions and, and all that sort of stuff, I, I think the way we came out and dominated that second half was just it was in such stark contrast to that first half that you know you just couldn't want any any better football being played. The crowd loving every minute of it. So uh, yeah, I, I, t- I totally see why you want the the Spurs one. Um, you know, it's not very often we've we've always had issues traveling down to London and, and picking up three points. So it's nice to get those three points in the bag. But yeah, look, um, the the Villa game again. It was it's it's that. It's that sort of pretend rivalry that's going on as well. It kind of almost makes it that little bit sweeter. The only thing that would probably top, uh, a, 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 well, it, it's probably the only thing that would top it is if we managed to like sort of hammer Everton um, and Jordan Pickford got like hauled off at half time or something. <laughs> but yeah, yeah so no, I'm going to no, go for yeah. the Aston Villa game. <laughs> yeah, uh, your, yours, Bobby. Oh, I can't really pick one, mate. The Brentford. Uh, the Brentford game, because of what happened to you, was will live long as the moment of the season for me. Um, but, you know, I even think the Man City game was just bonkers and we took it right up to, the, to I still think, are the best team in the league. So I think that was that was sensational. Tottenham for what it stood for. Um, yeah, there were so many good ones. But I'll if I had to choose one, I'll choose the... Yeah, I'll choose the Tottenham game. And last but not least, we're going to go with favourite player of the season so far. I'll go first. Now I'm going to go with Sven gives me a boner Botman. Uh, that man is just a, a mountain of a defender. Best defender I've ever seen in a Newcastle shirt. And he is the future captain of this club. And Bobby, I'll come to you first on this one for your favourite player. Uh, yeah, I had two. I had your man Botman and I had Kieran Trippier. I think Trippy has been bloody sensational. Um, and the culture he's he's shown this year has been, you know, the culture changer he is has been immense. So you chose, you chose Botman, so I'll go Trippier. Mock? Yeah, it's easy to get carried away with Miggy's recent run of goals. Um, but, you know, you add it up over the whole season and it's hard to look past Kieran Trippier. Uh, he's just been, he's, he's just this rock in the defense. Um, he, he's so good for the players around him, um, just oozes leadership. Um, but even more so, he just oozes absolute like top draw quality. Um, so yeah, uh, Kieran Trippi is my man of the season so far. I will say Botman will go down as the best defender that we've had in the black and white shirt. Easily, but, um, easily. Yeah. He's so in control. This is what I don't understand. He doesn't. He doesn't get a lot of attention because he never looks like he's flustered or he's doing anything amazing. He's just got everything under control. So he kind of flies a little bit under the radar. Mm. But you know, you 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 even beyond his out and out defending, his distribution of the ball is absolutely top yeah, as well. So it, yeah, he's just an all round, all round amazing player and. I think I was having this conversation on on Twitter the other day with 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 someone I can't remember who it was now, but 
I don't understand how only AC Milan were in for Sven Botman with us. And I don't understand how nobody else came in for Bruno. Uh, it's just beyond my comprehension that we were the only one that, to actually show an interest in these players who are just so good. And I don't understand how Netherlands take Ake yeah. in front of Botman. <laughs> yeah. Fucking idiots. Yeah. Anyway, and, and, yeah. I'm, and my wife's Dutch, so my kids are bloody half Dutch. So, uh, I, you know, following them in the World Cup, well, not following them, but I've got a close association with them in the World Cup and looked at their squad and showed no Botman, but you got fucking Ake, you dickheads. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. That is a strange on. one. Very strange. But that brings an end to this podcast right here. So thanks to everybody that has uh, been watching. Thanks to those that will be listening once we publish as an audio, as this one has been live. Uh, thanks to everyone that's been in the comments. There's just one thing left to do, and that is to reveal the answer to the quiz question I posted earlier on in the pod. I put the question back up just so everybody can see. So this is a, a guess who I am on here. So I played for Sheffield United. And then Newcastle on loan. Then Newcastle is a permanent deal. Back to Sheffield United on loan and West Ham United on loan. Do it to Penzance, Falmouth, Falmouth Town, sorry. Then Mousel. Who am I? I will give you about 30 seconds in the comments to get your answers in. And I will then reveal the answer. You've got 30 seconds starting now. Get those answers in. Let's see who gets it right. And if anybody does get it right, Bobby's got to dye his hair blonde. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that answer. Waiting for the answer. So I am going to reveal the answer now. But first of all, I will show a picture of this said player. See if anybody gets it without that. So this is that said player. So you can see the era that he played alongside the likes of Shira, Bellamy, uh, Dabiza, Solano, Dyer, that sort of thing. And Elliot the in the background. Action. Yeah, Robbie, Robbie Elliott in the background. Yep. Uh, with his old chicken dance, and that there we go. Answer is Wayne Quinn. Who had Wayne Quinn as an answer on that one? Let us know in those comments. And if you have it right, Bobby has agreed to dye his hair purple this time, uh, rather than blonde. So that's going to be a good one. Keep an eye on for that one. I will post the social media uh, footage of that one once it is all done. But thanks to everybody that has tuned in. Thanks to everyone that will be listening once we do post this one uh, on the audio channels through Spotify and Apple Music and the likes. Uh, if you have like what you have uh, seen and listened to today, please give us a thumbs up. Uh, put a comment uh, once this video goes available. And best of all, subscribe to the channel because that really helps us out too. And remember, we've got our membership there from as little as $1.49 here in Australia or only 85 pence per month in the UK. Uh, wherever you've been watching the world, thanks very much for tuning in. Thanks to Bobby and thanks to Mark for coming along. And hopefully the second half of the season is as good, if not better, than the first. Thank you very much, lads. Cheers, guys. Have a good night. And we will probably see you on the next one, which may be a World Cup review on the Newcastle players. We don't know what's happening around the corner, but we will see you all in the next one. Have a cracking one, and I'm away to bed now. It's really late tonight here. Cheers, lads. Have a good one. Cheers, boys. See you guys.